today we are on our last uh, installment, our last week of the series, Drills. We've been talking about spiritual disciplines that keep us fit, keep us in shape. You guys are all looking really great, got your summer body going on. But this is for us on the inside of us. This is for us, for our spiritual walk with God. These drills help us to keep in shape, keep our faith sharp. And so I hope over this series you've had some practical things that you can take away. I understand that not everything we talk about, uh, uh, each thing would be applicable to where you're at in your season, in your journey. That's totally fine. But I really believe that there's something in this series for each and every one of us along the journey. So I hope it's been a good buffet for you, a good upskilling, a good training ground. That's really my hope. And today I'm really excited to finish off this series and I'm excited because we're going to be working through one whole chapter of, uh, from the book of Matthew together. So I'm excited. I love the Word of God. I truly believe that it is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And I believe that for each and every one of you, that whether it doesn't matter where you're at, whether your path is lit up and you literally know where you're going, or maybe this morning you've come and you're feeling like there's a little bit of darkness around you and you can't really see the way forward, this morning is your morning. God is going to speak to you. He's going to light up that path. I so, so believe it. Come on. Also, I'm glad I've got people of faith here today. Amen. All right, so we're going to nerd out and we're going to work through a whole chapter, Matthew chapter 6. But before we go through uh, the chapter bit by bit together, I want us to focus in on this one uh, passage. It's towards the end of um, the chapter. So let's read this. I think it's going to come on the screen. So we start in verse 25. It says... Bit of background. So Jesus is talking to his followers. There's this large crowd that has come around him. He's kind of been, uh, he's come out as this rabbi and, um, and he's teaching up a storm and people are listening because they're like, I've never heard teaching like this. I never heard somebody speak with authority like this. And so for us today, that's a signal to take note, right? So we're going to begin in verse 25. Jesus is saying, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. I heard them a moment ago. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly Father Father feeds them. That's right, they're saying amen. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying at a single hour to the span of your life And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, so Solomon was this king back in the days of Israel. He he was like pimped up big time. He was really rich. He had basically everything he needed. But Jesus is saying, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first, some translations say, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. 
You know, there are some passages of Scripture where I read them, especially when Jesus is, is kind of declaring it to the crowds and the masses. And I'm like, Jesus, really? You know, if, if Jesus could quote Bob Marley, I think he'd go for the song, every little thing is going to be all right, so don't worry about a thing. But, you know, as I'm reading this in today's world, I'm thinking, Jesus, don't worry about a thing. Just focus in on God's kingdom Are you serious? Like, do you even see what I go through? How many here think that it's impossible to not worry? Yes? Yeah, okay. We've got some people who are honest. Some, maybe some people further on the journey. Congratulations. You've learned not to worry. Help me out today. Uh, But I just think, Jesus, are you seeing people? Are you seeing what they actually go through? How can you tell me not to worry? And yet... Jesus is saying, hey, this is the way of my followers. This is the way of my people. I want you to learn how to, how to not worry. And obviously, we've read the last part of his sermon there. That's kind of the end point. And today, that's the end point that I want us to get to, to have a revelation that actually, as followers of Jesus, there's no need to worry. But I know just saying it, it's kind of like, yeah, great. Yeah, you're dreaming, Beck. So we're going to go through uh, the rest of the chapter this morning. But so the first drill that I want to introduce to you before we get into that is simplicity. It's the spiritual discipline of simplicity. And what simplicity means is to have one single focus for our lives. And Jesus puts forward to us as his followers that our one focus is God and the kingdom of God. All right. So when we talk about simplicity this morning, we're talking talking about this one focus of God and his kingdom. So how do we become these people who, that is our focus, that's our one concern? Well, let's have a look at what Jesus says earlier in this passage of scripture. And here's the important part about context. We always got to read the passages of scripture and the verses in our Bible within context, because if we choose to chew on it just like that, you'll be like, yeah, okay, I'll try not to worry, uh, but I have nothing to go on. But that's where we unpack the rest of the chapter, right? So we're going to go from the beginning, from verse three, it says, but when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your arms may be done in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So Jesus actually begins this chapter by talking about piety, about Christian piety. He talks about when you give, when you pray, when you fast. Because you see, these were practices that we uh, that he expected us to do as his followers. But it wasn't just his followers who were doing these practices. There were other religious people who would pray, give, and fast. But he was saying it's the way that we do it as his followers that actually is the game changer. You know, there's a certain way that we do it, and God actually rewards us for doing it. You see, we've got to see the contrast beforehand. So what Jesus is saying is that when we do these things in secret, we're not being like the other people who would do these things in broad daylight for other people to see. You see, the religious people, they would give and make a big show about it. They would pray out on the the corners of the streets so that people would think, oh, wow, you pray so well. You're so holy. Those words that you say, they're so amazing. 
And then when people fasted as well, they'd make a big deal about it. And people would go around thinking, wow, you're so holy. That's, that's awesome. God must love you so much. But, you know, Jesus was saying, no, 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 no. I don't want you to be like that because their reward is a pat on the back. Their reward is just what people think about them and what people will say to them, compliments, praises from, human, from other human beings. But what God says is that, no, 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 if you do these things unto me, in other words, if you seek first my kingdom, if you place me as number one in your life, then there will be rewards given to you from my hand, not from humans. And in the chapter before, chapter 5, Jesus is outlining um, what blessing from God actually looks like, what this reward actually looks like. And more than practical or or, um, uh, materialistic things, God talks about blessing as being satisfaction, as being fulfillment, as being pure happiness. And so God is saying, you know what? Yeah, you can get praises from man if you want to perform in front of them, if you want to please them that's fine. But what you're going to be missing out on is real life, real fulfillment, real satisfaction, real happiness, because that alone comes from me. And so Jesus was saying, hey, that's, that's kind of number one in seeking first God. There's reward attached to it, but we've got to do it unto him. Jesus then goes on to kind of give the same Uh, lesson, the same themes coming through, but he's talking about possessions now. In verse 19, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus is talking about the fact that we can place our security in temporary things or we can place our security in things that actually endure, things that last forever. And how we do that is by placing God first. You know, I really believe that God understands us as human beings. He created us. He knit us together in our mother's womb. He knows us. He knows the propensity for us to seek security, for us to need security. It's a basic need for us. But Jesus is encouraging people, no, 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 don't look to other things for your security. Your possessions, in, in this particular context for the people, they were so big on placing their security in their property because if you had property, it meant that you were well off, that you were secure. But Jesus was challenging the people and saying, no, 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 those things will one day be consumed. Those things one day will fade away. Our cars one day will stop working. Our houses can be taken from us. Our bank accounts, they can deplete. It's too volatile for you to put your security in those things. But if you were to put me first, if you were to seek security in me first, then all of these things will be added to you anyway. That's the promise of our good, awesome God. You see, He doesn't want to be first in our life because He's got this ego that needs to be stroked. He wants to be first in our life so that we can get what we need, so that He can actually provide for us because He knows us. He doesn't want us to spend our time grabbing for temporary things and living our whole life stressed out and anxious because we're going after things that just slip through our fingers. That's not what a loving Father would want for His kids. That's not what our Heavenly Father wants for us. 
but he wants us to seek him first, place our security in him, place what he says about us as number one priority so that he can add all of these things to our lives. Do we serve a good God? I mean, come on, he is so good. He is so good. Amen. You know, Jesus really drives point this drives home this point. <laughs> he even personalizes it because he goes on to talk about the fact that we're all slaves. Hi, welcome to Lift Church. You're a slave. Um, <laughs> he goes on to talk about how we are all slaves and we're either slaves to the master of money, the master of wealth, or God, our master. Verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. You know, sometimes we read scriptures like that when it talks about hate and love, and we see that as an emotional thing. Oh, God, you know, I can serve money but still love you emotionally. No, 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 no. When, when God talks about whether you hate him or love him, it talks about actually putting him first. That's actually what the Bible talks about when he says that. And so God is saying you can only have one master because both masters require you full time and both masters will consume your life. But the difference is between these masters is that one is good and one only desires evil for us. I was reading up in this commentary and it was really cool the way that they put it, but they talked about this master money as this malevolent master. And then it talked about Jesus, about God as this benevolent master. You see, money only wants to do us harm. When we pursue it, it continues in a cycle in our life. It's one of those things that runs out and it constantly keeps us in this anxious state of mind that I'll never have enough. And once it goes out of my account again, I'm striving to get more of it. It's this endless cycle of slavery and imprisonment. That's what it does to us when we seek security in other things, in wealth, possessions, property, whatever it is, you name it, whatever it is. If it's apart from God, it's only going to lead us in a cycle of anxiety. I hope you're hearing this this morning because I love you and I care for you and, and I would hate for you to go on any longer in this cycle of enslavement to money or to wealth, whatever it is. But, you know, we serve a good God, a benevolent God. You know, the meaning of this word is really awesome. It means kind. It means tender. It actually means not for profit. You know what that means for us? Is that everything God does to us, for us, is for our good. He gets no kickback. He gets no profit from it. So His goodness, His kindness, His generosity towards you, He's actually not... uh, He's not expecting anything back from you. In fact, what can we give God that he could ever need, really? But, you know, he just gives it out of a place of pure love for you and I. How amazing, right? He is this good, kind, loving father and master. You know, Jesus goes on to explain that a little bit more. He says, take a look at creation. What are some things that we can learn from those nose?" noisy birds outside and from the beautiful flowers in the field, we can see that for the birds, they get given their food. For us, we get given those internal needs. 
whether that's we're needing emotionally or mentally or physically. You know, God is in the business of taking care of every internal need in our internal world that we need. He is so concerned about that and he sees you this morning. Whatever it is that's going on on the inside of you, I can't see it, but Heavenly Father sees it and he's making provision for it. Amen? Amen. You know, he talks about the clothing of the lilies of the field. He talks about our external needs, that even our external needs are things that we're like, I need this, but there's no way. There's zero funds in my bank account. I have nothing that I could even sell off uh, to make that happen. You know, if you're there this morning, God's making provision for you as well. He's got your external needs. He knows that you need a roof over your head. He knows that you need food on the table. He knows that you need to provide for your family and He's making provision for that. It doesn't mean that we quit our jobs and just wait for it to fall out of the sky. Did the birds do that? Did the flowers do that? No. But God says, do your part, but leave the rest to me. I know I'm speaking to someone this morning. God's saying, come on, let go of your security in things, in other people, and enter into trusting me. I'm good, I'm kind, I'm tender, I know what you need. You know, this morning the invitation is, let God take care of you. And I know for some of you, I get to know some of you, which is an absolute delight. And I know that you're sitting here this morning and that for you takes so much courage. That takes a lot of guts for you to actually let go of what you're currently trying to find security in, to place it in a God that you can't see, that sometimes you can't feel or sense or hear from. But this morning, I'm here to tell you, there really is no other way. There really is no other way for us to live. We either live in slavery to money and are captive to it, and live a life of anxiety and worry, or we actually go on this journey of letting go and saying, yes, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Anyone here this morning who wants to say, yes, I'm going to trust you. Amen. You see, talking about simplicity, having this one focus, it's, yes, it does manifest in physical ways in our life, but it has to start with this revelation in our heart that God is trustworthy, that God is trustworthy. So now, I'm going to look at, uh, actually I had a bit of an illustration using this game Jenga. Who here likes Jenga? Yes? Awesome. My, um, my nephew, my youngest nephew, he loves playing Jenga. He loves in particular the big crash at the end. Um, but I was thinking about these games that I play with Benjamin of Jenga. Um, and it kind of got me thinking about this whole idea of simplicity. The fact that when we have God as our number one, he creates this solid basis that we can actually build our Jenga tower life upon, right? But when we begin to actually seek security from other places and put other things first and we begin pulling blocks away from that foundation, what we end up is that tower that is wobbly, that tower that's full of anxiety, that life that is full of worry and anxiety. And you know what? For some of us, it gets to the point where we actually end up, Ben would love this, with a big crash. Our lives end up in this big crash. You know, we're, re- we're wrecked with anxiety on the inside. 
It's like we struggle with it every single day and it gets so, so tough. Can I ask you this morning, what's at your foundation? Might be a good time to check your foundation. Is it God and his kingdom? Because I assure you that it can't be if you're experiencing this. I know that's really tough to hear sometimes, but I'm saying it because I love you. You know, it's good to check in with our foundation. What is our number one? What are we seeking first? So that we can build that life on the solid foundation of God and his kingdom and keep on going from strength to strength. That's God's heart for us. You know, Adele Calhoun talks about simplicity as a lifestyle and she says how getting rid of stuff, the clutter in our lives actually helps us to uncomplicate and untangle our life so that we can focus on what really matters. Because that's the thing, when it comes to excessive stuff in our life, clutter and all of these things that we've accumulated, it actually takes our resource, it takes our attention, it takes our reserves sometimes, our mental and emotional reserves, away from what is the main thing. You know, this morning, some of you might be feeling weary and tired in the call of God. might be because of other things, but it may be because there's so much clutter and there's so much distraction in your life that it's actually a real strain to even focus in on what really matters. You know, maybe it's a good idea to take some steps and and think about the areas of life that we can actually declutter. You know, having a big house... um, before we moved here to Carlisle, we downsized from a four by two with like large living areas, a study and a theatre room. Now we've got a three by two and the areas, the living areas are small and it's great. And you know what I found is that in the old house, the big house, we just Nate and I living in it, it wasn't necessary. All of these rooms weren't necessary. And when it came to home opens, we would spend so much time cleaning, dusting, getting rid of rust in places of our house that we never even used, places that we never even benefited from in our house. And so we got rid of that to take on something that was more appropriate for us. And for some of us here, there could be things in our in our life. There could be possessions that we have that literally is physically cluttering up our homes and our lives. But you know, sometimes it's a matter of actually looking internally as well. What are those things that maybe we are tied to, those attachments that we have that is only bringing dysfunction, clutter, distraction into our lives? You know, I'm not talking about your spouse or anything like that. So, so you can't get rid of them. You can't get rid of your kids. I'm not giving you permission for that at all. But, you know, what are some attachments that we have? Maybe some jobs, job opportunities, job prospects that we haven't actually asked, God, is this right for me? And instead we're kind of just trying to go and find things. Be a good idea to check in. What's the motivation? Is it God and his kingdom? Maybe there are some relationships in our lives where instead of uh, uh, we are being encouraged in our relationship with God and to seek first his kingdom, instead they're actually drawing away energy from that. You know, sometimes we have people in our life who can actually distract us from the call of God on our life rather than fanning it into flame with us. You know, it's something that we really need to check on in our lives. Who here has heard of Marie Kondo? This woman, this short Japanese woman, 
has taken the world by storm. She has been instructing people on how to declutter. Isn't she gorgeous? She's awesome. But she, she's basically uh, gone around and she's instructing people on how to get rid of these excessive things in, in their houses, this clutter and all this stuff that people have accumulated. And this phrase that she has coined is, does it spark joy? So her whole thing is that when um, you know, you're decluttering your house, you pick up an object and you ask yourself, does this spark joy? Does this bring me joy? And if it doesn't, you thank it and you throw it away. But if it does, you pack it back into your wardrobe or wherever it is and you keep it. You know, as much as it's really funny, I don't go around talking to my possessions when I'm throwing them out and saying, thank you for your service, goodbye. I don't do that. Um, But I think there is something that we can actually catch from Marie Kondo about this. When it comes to checking in on our life, a filter that we can have is, does this spark kingdom in my life? Does this spark kingdom come? Does this spark God's will for my life? Are these people sparking God's kingdom? Look at this kid. He loves the Word of God. He's like, this sparks kingdom. My question to you, these things, when you look around your life, does it spark kingdom? Does it spark prioritizing God as your number one? Because then all of these things will be added to you. You get happiness, fulfillment, satisfaction, and your loving Heavenly Father wants nothing less for you. Does your life spark kingdom? And you know, when your life, when you're asking yourself, does this spark kingdom? When you gather here together, oh, it's encouraging. Your faith encourages somebody else who might be lost right now, who might be in a really dark, discouraged place. But when you come and kingdom is all over you and that's your number one priority, other people's hearts and their spirits and their confidence in the love of God is lifted. Can we do this together? Can we live a kingdom-sparked life together, church? Come on, I'm believing that 2020 is going to be an incredible year that God is going to do and move in ways that we have never yet seen. I'm believing it. And I'm believing that it all starts with being sparked for the kingdom of God, with having Him as our number one priority. You know... Really quick, I have this second drill that I want to talk to us about, about and it will be literally next five minutes. But this other drill is called memorization, scripture memorization. For some of you, this is a throwback to kids' church. You're like, I did that in kids' church. That was awesome. Good old days. How great is our Lift Kids team? Come on, can we just appreciate them really quick? They're the ones that teach our kids, help them memorize the Word of God. It's fantastic. You know, sometimes when we are trying to put God number one in our life, temptations are going to come. We're going to be tempted, like Jesus was saying, to put what other people say above what God says about us, right? It's a temptation that often we go through. And then we're going to be tempted as well to find security in places that actually can never bring us security. We, we will try to find security in places other than God. And you know, God says that when you're tempted... 
The Word of God can be your shield. The Word of God can be your weapon against that temptation. And that's why I wanted to share about this discipline of memorization on the back of that, because I didn't want you to go forward with God as your number one priority without having a bit of a, uh, you know, something to protect you on, on the other side of you, something that won't let you actually go back into, into people pleasing or getting your security from other things. And this is where the Word of God comes in. You see, memorization was a huge thing when it came to teaching and religion and um, uh, po- political instruction and things like that. It was huge because memorization has staying power. What does staying power mean? It means endurance. So whatever we memorize, whatever we actually got into the inside of us, and it kind of became a part of us, that actually endured within us. That was the thing that would grow and, and manifest itself in us. So it was so, so important. But now we live in a day where if we want an answer, we just Google it. You know, if we, if we uh, uh, need an instant piece of information, we've got the internet right there. We really don't use this discipline of memorization. And yet, God teaches us as well that when we memorize His Scripture, it has staying power. It has endurance. It's actually able to transform us. You know, I think one of the reasons why we have Christians today who really struggle to live a victorious life in Christ is because we haven't actually memorized Scripture and allowed it to go deep inside of us and then grow out out of us and manifest itself in us as faith and hope in God. So I feel like God is calling us back to these practices that, yes, we did in children's church. But, you know, he's saying we're never beyond this because the, the, the power in the Word of God, we need it. We need it for our lives. Where have I gone? All right. You see, when we attempted, what we have memorized can pop back up. Even when we are, you know, we've just got a moment where we've turned off the television, everything's quiet, our mind will go towards things that we've memorised. And for some of us, it's the words spoken against us, it's the lies that have been spoken over us, it's the temptation of those, those um, things saying, put your security in me, or what I say to you matters above what God says. You know, those things, when we're quiet, when everything is kind of still, it's when we attempt it. It's when those things pop up. But if we have memorized the Word of God, in those instances, we have a weapon that we can actually fight those temptations. In the moment, we don't have to give in. We don't have to uh, admit defeat, but we can actually hear the Word of God. We can declare it over our situation and we can go on in victory. And again, that's, that's God's desire for each and every one of us, that we would embody the power that is in His Word. So this morning, a couple of things that I wanted to leave you with. Simplicity. Having the discipline to seek first God's kingdom. Why? Because He is good. Because He is trustworthy and He is a loving Father. And the second thing, memorize Scripture. It has staying power. It has endurance to actually not let us fall back into temptation, but actually to carry us in strength forward. If I can just get the band back up this morning, and Pastor Nate's going to come and lead us in the salvation prayer. But before he does, 
just want to bring back that illustration of the Jenga tower. You know, if simplicity is laying the foundation, a rock solid foundation for our life, then scripture memorization is the building of that tower. It actually allows us to build our life in step with God and His kingdom. So this morning, I want you to reflect. You know, as you leave today, as you go about your week, is it simplicity that maybe you need to come back to as a practice, as an everyday, God, I'm going to discipline myself. Even when temptation comes, I'm going to discipline myself to put you first. Or maybe it's memorization. Maybe you are sensing the discouragement, the temptation, to kind of just give in to everything that God hasn't called you to or God hasn't said who you are or called you to be. If you're tempted in that way and that voice is really loud, then maybe the discipline for you in this season is memorizing scripture. Maybe that's the gold that you actually need to run with. So right now I just want to pray and then Pastor Nate will come up. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you that you are good, that you are trustworthy. God, that we can put our trust in you for provision, but so much more. And God, I just pray for the courage over every believer here today to put their faith and trust in you. And God, we thank you for in advance your provision, but we also thank you for your reward. God, I thank you for your pure happiness, your satisfaction and your fulfillment coming to lives this morning. As God, as they turn from seeking security from other things and placing it solely in you. God, we thank you for what you're doing today. Holy Spirit, we pray that you continue to speak, continue to highlight areas that need a shift, that need to come into alignment with your word. We thank you, Father. Why don't we thank Pastor Beck for that word this morning? I think it's such an important word, isn't it? But I also can sense that maybe for some people, it makes sense, but it doesn't make reality. And we go like, great, you know, someone telling me they need to simplify, I need to declutter my life. Beck has this thing where she tells me to declutter my cupboard. I've got lots of t-shirts, I love my t-shirts. And Beck's now in a place where she's like, if you buy a new one, you get rid of one. And I'm like, I bargain for every single one of them. And it's... um. The whole idea of simplifying, the whole idea of placing our trust in God might sound nice, but it can also be a little bit difficult. And you might be going, yeah, it's all nice and well that you trust God. It's all nice and well that you can trust this Jesus that you talk about, but you don't know what I'm going through and you don't know the life that I'm going through. You don't know what it's like going home and having these bills to pay. You don't know what it's like having these mouths to feed. You don't know what it's like to have these pressures on my life and to simply just say, trust God. Isn't that being a bit simple? And I can understand that because I think for me, that is exactly the whole idea is I've grown up being told you just need more faith, you just need more trust. That's not what we're saying here. 
We're not saying become simple, but we're saying become focused. Because the truth of the matter is, sometimes when we get all caught up in all the different pressures and all the expectations that we have about our lives, we kind of forget where this whole Jesus idea comes from. Because the fact of the matter is that it's not about a Jesus idea, it's about a Jesus person. It is about Jesus who came and lived on this earth and, and, and performed three years of public ministry. And during that time said that He is God and that He is the way to eternal life. And then He goes to the cross, dies, which is historical fact. And then on the third day rises again, which is also I'm not going to call it fact because we don't have photographs of Jesus coming out of the tomb, which we would like, but it's close enough. There is so much evidence that Jesus walked on this earth. I was reading this morning and, and I was reading about Paul, um, who was a missionary to, to many nations, and he was in a place called Athens. And he went to Athens and he, he, he saw, and he was actually quite moved and grieved by the fact that there were so many idols all over this place. And there was even an idol to the God that we do not know. And he saw that these people were looking for answers. And he goes into, and he's invited into a place where he can share about his faith. And he talks to these people and he says to them, you all want to and believe that there is a beginning to our lives. That we came from somewhere. We didn't just, we weren't a cosmic accident. That there must be some kind of beginning. That's great. But do you also know that there is one who has actually shown us where life really comes from and where life is really going? He talks about Jesus. He talks about His death, His resurrection. And through that, many people believe. Why do they believe? It's because there were eyewitnesses to the fact that Jesus rose again. This is the simplification of what we need to know. If there was a man who said that he was God and the way to eternal life and he said that my proof is that I am going to live die on, on, a, on a cross and I'm going to rise again on the third day maybe he's worth listening to and when he says cast all your cares upon me because I care for you and I'm going to demonstrate this love by dying on the cross for you Maybe that's worth listening to. When he says that all of your cares and all of your worries, I've got it under control, that I am sovereign and that I can see everything that you need. And then he says, the proof is that I'm going to die and then I'm going to rise again from the dead. And that's how you know that I've got the power of death and life in my hands and I've got this under control. Maybe it's simple enough for us to go, yep, you know what? I've got bills that I've got to pay. I've got mouths that I've got to feed. I've got expectations that I've got to live up to. But maybe God is still bigger than all of that. When we gather as a church, we gather not to earn God's love. We gather because we are loved. We gather as a family who has been called together by God. And we gather together because He already loves so this morning, I want to put an invitation out to anyone who wants to become part of this, that there still can be doubts. Sure. You're still worried about what tomorrow looks like. I understand. But at the heart of the matter, you know that you came from somewhere and you are going somewhere. And that you realize that maybe Jesus has got more answers than you do. And you realize that doing life without Jesus doesn't make much sense.
If that is you this morning, I would like to lead you into a prayer. The Bible teaches us that when we confess with our lips and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, that day salvation is yours. It means that your future is secure. It means that eternity is no longer a worry for you. It means that all of your acts, all of your behaviors, all of the things that you're going to do is going to be judged based on how Jesus lived. And so He died and He rose again to prove that you can have life too. Everyone, just close your eyes, bow your heads, and say this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I invite you into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I want to put my trust in you. So come live in me. Teach me. Lead me. Guide me. Amen. Now, if you said that prayer for the first time, congratulations, you've made one of the best decisions of your life. And we want to help you as a church. And so we've developed a 30-day text service. It's going to come up on the screens in a moment. You just have to text Jesus to 0488-930-489. And we will send you a daily text message to help you on your journey. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Lift Church or on Facebook at Live Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.